You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we're talking about the typical paths people take in their careers that lead themselves finding that they are a boss. That all of a sudden they're in the boss seat. And I think there's there's a few different ways that people wind up in that seat. And depending on where you're at in that process or what path you've followed, if you're a new manager, there's different things that you should focus on or different struggles that you might face depending on how you ended up in that seat. And I really was inspired to record this podcast topic from reading a book that I've mentioned before, but it's called The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhao. And she really named the typical roots pretty perfectly. Um, and she really, she was able to, ca- or the way she described it in the book was categorizing them into four. And I think it's just so, it's a great way to to categorize them. So The four are, there's apprentice, there's a successor, there's a replacement, and then there's a pioneer. And I want to define what each of those actually is. So an apprentice is when you're on a team and it's growing quickly or it's just reached a size that it needs more leadership. And your boss asks you to lead a smaller team within that group, let's say three to five people. A successor is when your boss is leaving. Maybe they're leaving the company, retiring, moving to a new role, moving to a new function. For whatever reason, they're moving out of the boss role and you've been selected to take over for them and take over the team. A replacement is often when your there's an experienced manager. So your boss leaves or the boss of a department leaves, a manager, and a experienced manager is asked to come in and lead an existing team who's already had a manager and their boss left for some reason or another. Now, this replacement could be somebody from within your organization if you're at a big company, or oftentimes it's hiring somebody new to be the leader of a team. So that would define what replacement is. And then pioneer is really when you're a member of a brand new team or an initiative or a company and you're responsible for growing it. And so if you're an entrepreneur listening to the show, you're probably in this group and you find yourself in that position. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about what each of those paths typically, you know, comes up or, or what triggers, what, what pitfalls, what, what benefits, what, what drawbacks are to these different paths. And so an apprentice path is really the easiest to transition to. I would also say it's often the least common, to be honest, unfortunately, although it should be the most common, it's often the least. Um, if you're, let's say if you've had a really good boss to learn from, this is really going to be the easiest transition. If you have a boss that isn't that great and they just kind of give you to the wolves and say good luck, you probably won't have the same benefits that I'm going to talk about in a second. But if you have a good leader and a good boss, 
that you're learning from, this can be really, really amazingly helpful because they usually set you up for success. Um, They'll be there for questions or guidance or role-playing or talking through challenges. And you'll also have a really, you'll have a good idea of what's worked for them in the past and what hasn't. And what's great about this apprentice path is usually it's you're moving into a manager role on a team that you've been working on for a while. So you already know kind of what's working, what's not. You know the job, you've done the job. It's just a little bit of an easier transition. Um, And what's great when you find yourself in this Well, first I'm going to talk about what can be a little hard. So it can be hard to move from a peer relationship with your coworkers to a leadership or a manager relationship. So it's going to take some time to adjust. It's also going to take a mindset shift and a behavior shift from you. um, And then honestly, it's probably going to take some real honest, open conversations, which of course we talk all about all the time on the show is that being a good boss is really about having a lot of difficult conversations. And so you're probably going to have to have that from time to time because your coworkers who used to be your friends are going to look at you different and it's going to be awkward and you're going to have to have some conversations with them about that. And you're not going to be able to join in to maybe some of the gossip or, or some of the other the things that you do with coworkers when you're a peer, you're probably not going to want to join those or you probably shouldn't. And you probably aren't going to be asked anymore, which can feel a little crappy, right? Um, so that can be one of the biggest challenges when you're moving into this apprentice seat. And then you'll also find it be becoming a little tricky to balance your tactical day-to-day work because you're still going to have some of that like producing work. And then also you have these manager responsibilities and these leadership responsibilities. And so, you know, that can be a hard balance and it can feel slightly overwhelming at first. So I would say, you know, if you're starting to lead more than four to five people, you know, four to five people is your your threshold in which your tactical day-to-day work should start to dwindle. You should be delegating that to others and you should start start trusting others to do the work, which can be very hard when you're used like you probably were chosen into this apprentice role because you're really good at the thing, right? And letting yourself let go of the thing can be a challenge in this role. So when you move into this apprentice role, like you're you're newly in this manager role, it's really great to create a list of what's working well. You already know. So think about the processes, the people, the work, what's going really, really well. And don't fix what's broken. But then make another list of what isn't working well and what you can look for and what should be looked at for improvements. And this is going to give you a really good roadmap for where to start. And then what's even best is to have a conversation with your 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 new team and be like, hey, guys, this is what I've noticed. Like when I was, you know, I've been struggling with this for a while, or I've noticed that we've been struggling with this for a while. I think we should change this process or this, this thing and get their buy-in and ask them like, what things do you think we should work on and change? And the more you can get their buy-in to supporting you, the better. So that's the apprentice path. The successor path is very, very similar to the apprentice path, but the difference is you're taking over the entire team. 
it's very likely you're not going to have a lot of support or guidance from your current boss because they left, right? And your new boss is a level higher and they're probably not going to, they're not used to needing to guide someone as much likely. So you're probably not going to have as much support. Um, but hopefully if you've had a good boss, they've done a bit of coaching and development throughout the last few months, if not years, so that you feel a little bit more ready to take charge, but definitely can feel overwhelming because you likely, no fault to you, don't, I feel like most of the time, if you've never been a manager before and you know, you've been working on the tactical day to day, you don't realize how much extra work leading people is. And so that's going to feel overwhelming and it's going to take some getting used to. And it will pass and you do have tools to help you, but just know that that's going to take a little bit of, of, of time and you're going to want to ask for some grace from your team. And having these real open and honest conversations is going to be even more critical. And not to mention that that awkwardness of, of all of a sudden becoming your colleague's boss, it's going to feel a lot more abrupt and it's probably going to be a little bit worse. And so you'll have that to overcome a little bit um, as well. So keep that in mind if, if all of a sudden you're, you know, taking over the entire team from your boss. Um, and then finally, there's probably going to be a little bit of pressure to do things exactly like how your previous manager did them. And you may want to, you may not. I don't think I would not recommend you falling into the trap of just doing what, what they did because it seemed to work. What I think is a great thing to do in this situation, it's a great time to do a start, stop, and continue exercise. So get everyone together in a room, give everybody a post-it note or write it all on the board. Or if you're not in you know physical proximity, do this virtually. And make a list of all of the things that are going well that you should continue doing, right? Like what are the things that as a team are going well and you want to think in terms of people, processes, and purpose? Um, what are some things that you haven't been doing that you really should start doing? And then what things are just not working that you should stop and, and make sure people are feeling really bought into to having an honest input on this. And the more you get their input, the, the more you're helping them be bought in to helping you succeed and helping the team improve and get better. And so that is a great exercise to do when all of a sudden you find yourself in that, in that role. Now the replacement path. The benefit of this path is that you've likely been a boss in the past, hopefully a successful one. Hopefully you've tested things and learned things in previous roles that you can take into this new one. Um, but the hard thing about this is that you're likely joining a brand new company, maybe department, but it's likely a brand new company. And so you're going to feel like the new kid on the block. The team's going to be a little uncertain about you. Some of them are going to be a little, you know, gun shy. Others are going to be like so excited and expect you to fix all of their problems. I think you're going to have both of those. Um, but the benefits of this is that usually, especially if you're new to the company, your team's going to give you a lot more grace and they're going to cut you some more slack as you're onboarding versus, you know, the apprentice or this, the succession model, because you've already in those, you've been on the team for 
multiple years probably. So they're going to be like, what? You don't get this? You should jump right in. Where if you're brand new to the company, they understand that there's like a learning process and onboarding process and all of that. So they are going to give you a little bit more slack. And so you want to make sure you use that to your advantage and don't come in as a know-it-all that makes decisions and changes things without actually being informed or getting clarity on stuff, you're going to want to at least use the first 30 days to ask as many questions as possible and get to know as many people as possible. Have a one-on-one, get to know every single person, every single direct report you have, as well as cross-functionally. Who are the people that your team interacts with the most? Get to know everybody and ask questions as much as possible so that you can learn and absorb. That's really what the first 30 days should be. And then also keep in mind, you know, if you're in a group setting and you're asking a question as a new person, even if you think you know the answer, just simply asking the question can also help other people who are working on a project or on a team get clarity on something that they were too embarrassed to ask about. How many times have you been like super far in a project and you're like, I don't even know why we're doing this but I can't ask that. Well, a new person can, right? They can be like, so what benefit are we looking for this to solve? And then you can talk about it. And this person who's sitting in this meeting, who's been wondering the same thing gets clarity. Um, and so that can be a really unintended benefit for sure. And then during the transition, like I said, make sure you give yourself time to observe and absorb as much as you can. Um, you definitely don't want to just come out of the gates swinging, you know, and don't just make changes based on one person you meet in like a, you know, a a two week conversation. Um, it takes time to get to know people and these new people on your team and your new peers, if you're in a, unfortunately a company, um, that has some politics, they're going to be pitching for you to, to be bought into what they want. So give yourself a little bit of time. And what's really cool about this is you get to create and become whatever kind of boss you want to be. So if, you know, I feel like every time I've switched into a new company, I have more confidence. I have more learnings under my belt. I know what I want to do different. And sometimes it's hard to reestablish yourself in a, in a new way, in a in an existing position or at an existing company or within an existing team. And when you go to a new company, you get to come out of the gates being whatever kind of boss or whatever type of person, whatever type of leader you want to be. So maybe you got some sort of a reputation for being some sort of way in your last company or your last role. Maybe you don't want to take that with you into the rest of your career you get to decide to change it. And that's really, really awesome and super freeing. So take advantage of that to create and intentionally set up, you know, become that leader that you want to be. And that takes, you know, investing into your own leadership. That's why you're probably listening to this podcast. So kudos to you. Um, And then the final thing is you have to invest more time in developing meaning full relationships when you're in this path because you have you don't have a history of working together. So you don't kind of have that built-in rapport that you gain from, you know, working alongside this team for so long. So, and you also don't have the background knowledge of everyone doing the jobs. You don't know why decisions were made. You don't know who's working on what. Sometimes you might not even know how to do the job. Um, and so you need to take time to build that rapport so that once you start to provide the coaching and leadership, they trust you and they know you that you know 
you have their backs and that you have their best interest in mind. And then the last one is a pioneer. And this one is a super exciting transition because it means things are going great. Things are growing and you have to add headcount to the team in order to keep scaling. You know, it could maybe be a brand new business, a new initiative, maybe it's a new function. And now you're the one responsible for leading it. And most entrepreneurs find themselves in this bucket, right? They start their business. They're the ones doing all the work. All of a sudden it's growing and they're like, holy shit, I need to add some people to the team. And it's exciting and terrifying all at the same time. So in most, like I said, in most cases, when you're on this path, you've done the work. So you, you have that as a benefit in that, you know, the ins and outs of why you made decisions the way you did, what the work is, you know, where things aren't going well, where things need help. And you get to choose who you want to build the team with. So you're going to want to set time away from the day-to-day before you start building a team to really be intentional about um, thinking about the values you want on your team, the goals you want, the processes. And it's very critical that you take time out to define these things instead of just getting caught up in the busy work and adding a body and then, you know, it not being the right person or you don't know how to delegate, you don't have the systems to delegate. You got to really take a step back back and create some of this stuff from scratch. And so some great questions to ask yourself during this time about those things are, how do I want to make decisions? What does success look like for for people on my team and in the roles? Create a clear list of everything you were doing when it was just you on the team and then review that list, bucket them into groups that can be like-minded tasks so that you can start to figure out the roles you need to hire. And then go through that list and figure out if you can eliminate any of those tasks that are not relevant anymore or how you can automate them. And then maybe you don't even need to hire a person to do it. So you want to get clear on everything you were doing. And then you want to brainstorm the processes, platforms, and workflows that you need um, now that there's more than just you working on it. And then, so there's that, right? There's like how the work is done and what, what the work is and how the work is done. But then you also get to build your dream team from scratch. And so you want to put some intention behind it and do it thoughtfully. So you want to think about, you know, what are the values that you want everyone on the team to have? What skills don't you have that you need to hire people to do? You know, you want to hire for complementary skills. How Think about how you want your responsibilities to evolve or the, over the next year, over the next two years. And how can you build roles into that? And then how might the team look differently in the next year if you were successful? And that will help you kind of figure out, okay, let's hire this role now. In a year, we might need this. It just, you got to start thinking about these things because you're building it from scratch. And unfortunately, you're going to have a lot less direct support on this path. If you're in an existing company, you might be building out a function that nobody even knows what the hell it is. If you're an entrepreneur, you're the boss. You don't have a boss. Hopefully you have a mentor or some some friends at least who've kind of been through these trenches that you can ask questions to. But a lot of times you got to find the tools and the support that you need. And that's why you're listening to this podcast. There's also books and mentors and courses. There's so many things out there that you have to go find. Um, especially as a pioneer, it's critical you do that. 
of course, in any, if you find yourself a boss in any of these ways, looking for external help to help you build leadership skills and, and people management skills, people management and leadership skills are very different things. And um, you, you, you want to build both of those differently and find tools that help you do that. So those are really the four main ways that people become a boss. And all of them have their unique challenges and benefits and drawbacks. And if you're listening to the show, I'm curious, like what, what, how did you find, maybe, maybe you're, you've been a boss for a while, but how did you first become a boss? I bet it was one of these things. So thanks for tuning in. If you have a second, share this with a friend, especially somebody, you know, who either wants to become a boss or, um, maybe isn't in, in, in a boss for the first time. Um, and hopefully it helps them. So thanks for tuning in and we will check you out soon.